God, it's been a muggy old day here in Salford. Welcome to the programme. It's five o'clock here in the UK. I'm Richie Allen. It's uh, the 26th of September 2023. I've got a good programme for you. And later on, I'll be taking your telephone calls, your WhatsApp calls and your Skype calls. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I think so. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And before I take your telephone calls, Kate Moore and Julia Burgess returned to the program. They were on with me back in June. Kate's kids attend a school in Maidstone in Kent. Okay, in Maidstone Borough Council approved an application for a 5G mast to be put up only a few metres from the school boundary. The parents objected, residents objected, but the council gave the go-ahead. Anyway, Kate took legal action against the local authority. Last time out, she came on with Julia, who consulted on Kate's case and runs a Wi-Fi awareness group on Facebook. So Kate and Julia returned to the programme this hour to update us, and there is plenty to update us with. Later on, I'll be taking your Skypes, your WhatsApps and your telephone calls. So in the meantime, if you want to send me a text message via WhatsApp or via Skype to let me know you'd like to come on, I'll get you on. I expect a high volume of calls in the second hour and we will move it along quickly. That's what we'll do. So it promises then to be a busy old programme and I'm glad you're on board. Reach out to me via the website richieallen.co.uk. I'd also like to hear from you via the Richie Allen Show app where you can send a message direct to the studio if you so choose. Before I go any further, I want to give a shout out to a, a great Salfordian that we're all very proud of and that is Matt Calderwood. Now Matt won't be listening. Matt's in the army and this week... He boxes for the army for the very first time. In fact, he's taking part in a competition. Army boxers against Navy boxers against Air Force boxers. And uh, we love Matt. He's a great kid. And best to his mum, Tracy, and to his father, Barry. And of course, he's brother and sister. That's our Matt Calderwood. We're very proud of him here in Salford. Now, long COVID. Well... The risks of long COVID have been greatly exaggerated, with more than 200 symptoms linked to the condition, according to experts. Experts say major flaws in the literature on the condition of long COVID likely exaggerated the true threat of contracting it. This is brand new research. Most people who get COVID, they're grand, they are chipper after a couple of days or weeks, but some can have symptoms for longer than three months, allegedly fatigue, brain fog, chest pain and all of that. But researchers in the UK and Denmark and the United States say that many scientific publications overestimated the prevalence of long COVID because of, quote, overly broad definitions, lack of control groups, inappropriate control groups, and other methodological, I can't even say that, methodological flaws, yes, right? They say, these authors, that the symptoms are common among upper respiratory viruses. 
One of the authors was on Times Radio. Her name is Tracy Hogue. You will hear the presenter first, then you will hear Tracy. This is very interesting indeed. Is there a psychological thing here then that long COVID is something of a crutch? Uh, both societally and individually that because we all want to explain away everything people want to understand things that are sometimes not understandable people get ill varieties of illness all the time to a certain percentage long covid becomes a psychological thing as much as a physiological thing yeah i i definitely think so because when people have symptoms they uh you know whatever the symptom may be especially if it's it's very you know it causes pain or it causes you know um, dysfunction, like they want to have a diagnosis, they want to have a label on it. And so they may say, okay, well, I got it after COVID-19, it must be due to COVID-19. Um, and so in, in that way, you know, people may be latching on to saying that it's that simply to have a name for what it is they're suffering from. But I think, you know, my co-authors and I, we, we really argue that, you know, we need to be more specific about what we do consider long COVID so that if people are really having lasting symptoms from COVID-19, that we can accurately figure out like pathophysiologically, what is it that's going on? So, so we have a better chance of treating them. So like right now, you know, when we talk about how to treat long COVID, and, and I read the studies, I think, well, what is long COVID? How are they even defining it? And if we don't know what it is, how can we treat it? Wow. If we don't know what it is, how can we treat it, she said? It makes it very hard to treat when we don't, <laughs> when we don't have a good definition of what it is. And she has a good giggle there. One of the authors of the study who says that, you know, it's been over-exaggerated, the risk of it, right? Let's hear the presenter. Are you prepared, though, Tracy, that long COVID... COVID has caused all sorts of uh, high emotions. It has a, um, it's part of a culture war often in terms of how we've responded to COVID, what COVID means. You're going to get a lot of grief for this, Tracy. People are going to say you're denying long COVID. You're denying long COVID, Tracy. Taking away the lived experience, one of the awful modern phrases that we now have to live with, which just means experience. Uh, but they're going to say all this stuff. They're going to say to you, you're denying the, the lives of people who've been damaged by long COVID because actually having long COVID is integral to their sense of self and you're taking that away from them. Amazing he said this because since I went, since I went kind of in on this particular story today, I've had quite a bit of commentary levelled at me on social media from people giving out to me, giving out to me, because I, I don't accept their lived experiences. Lived experience is so important to people these days, isn't it? What does she say about that? Mm, well, yeah, I guess I would say that being accurate is also synonymous with being compassionate. And so, you know, as a practicing physician myself, I really, you know, work hard with my patients to listen to them, to understand what it is they're suffering from and to help them get the correct diagnosis. And so one of the reasons I think this research is so important is it is it shines a light on a problem of overdiagnosis and misdiagnosis of, you know, certain people's true conditions as long COVID when it's actually something else. Now, this isn't new, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Let me read from an article from richieallen.co.uk, March 1st, 2022. 
two. So just over a year ago, a year and a half ago, thereabouts, right? I'm reading from my own article. Uh, COVID, that's COVID, not long COVID, but COVID-19, was also linked to vertigo, tinnitus, depression, stroke, dementia, hearing voices, stuttering, hiccups, memory loss, piles, sight loss, erectile dysfunction and psychosis. That is what they did. I believe they did that in 2020 to scare people into having the jab. If you get COVID, you might have erectile dysfunction. You might have psychosis, memory loss. Get the jab. And then if you get the jab, you won't get COVID. So I wrote this. Long COVID doesn't exist either. That was my opinion, right? But may well be used to explain away vaccine injuries in the future. Speaking to the Times last September, that's September 2021 now, Professor John Bell, Regis Professor of Medicine at Oxford University, said that long COVID was, quote, more complicated than people assume, and that the incidence is much, much lower than people had anticipated. Bell told Times Radio, listen, the long COVID, this is in late 2021, the long COVID thing has been slightly overblown and as soon as you start to do proper epidemiological studies, you find the incidence is much, much lower than people had anticipated. And he was backed up when he said that in late 2021, two years ago, by the Office for National Statistics, which claimed that as many as half of those who stated they were suffering from long COVID may not have it at all. So I feel a little bit vindicated here. I don't believe that long COVID is a thing because COVID itself was a very mild, almost inconsequential for, for the great majority of people. A very mild respiratory illness, right? And I talked about this today. I made a couple of videos just for the hell of it. 200 symptoms. Everybody could be diagnosed with long COVID. Why? Why did, as Tracy Hogue said, why did they rush to, 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 to diagnose to prescribe long COVID without having long-term studies. Why? Was it to scare people into having the jabs at the time? Maybe. Maybe it was. But also, just maybe, as the jab or the jabs had gone into development in January 2020, nearly four months before long COVID was unveiled, because long COVID was a hashtag on Twitter. It wasn't a scientific creation initially, nor was it a medical creation initially. It appeared as a hashtag on Twitter. That's the truth, by the way. And this was seized upon by the media. Long COVID. It was first mentioned in May of 2020. Now, funnily enough, one month before long COVID was mentioned, the clinical trials for the Pfizer jab, Pfizer-BioNTech, which is an RNA jab, right? They began in April of 2020. Now, maybe just maybe I don't say this is fact because I can't prove it. Maybe somebody thought that if you described a new, long, debilitating illness with up to 200 symptoms, long COVID, that might be useful when people had adverse reactions to the jabs. That is all. But it's caused quite the storm today on social media. But I stand by my hypothesis and and I stand by it because I never claim it to be true I never claim I can prove it it's just the lies think back to when covid was supposedly raging up and down the country and the countries and the continents back in 2020 they started putting out bullshit stories in the news saying that covid could give you covid toe covid toe which turned out to be chillblains by the way depression stroke hiccups memory loss stuttering hearing voices dementia erectile dysfunction piles and all the rest of it they're liars 
They can't open their mouths without lying. Everything they've said since 2020 has been a lie. So forgive me if I wonder if all of this talk of long COVID is really some cover story for people who have been adversely affected by the jabs. Maybe. But again, I could be wrong. As the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has been speaking in Washington, D.C. this afternoon, she wants to overhaul the 1951 UN Refugee Convention, which was signed by 146 countries. Right? It ended up being incorporated into UK case law. Uh, she says that we need a narrower definition of the term refugee, as that people are taking advantage of it, and that the convention is outdated. And she said that, you know, you shouldn't be able to claim asylum just because you say that you're discriminated against because you're gay or because you're a woman. And we can hear a little bit of what she's had to say in D.C. this afternoon. Let me be clear. There are vast swathes of the world where it is extremely difficult to be gay or to be a woman. Where individuals are being persecuted, it is right that we offer sanctuary. But we will not be able to sustain an asylum system if, in effect, simply being gay or a woman or fearful of discrimination in your country of origin is sufficient to qualify for protection. Article 31 of the Refugee Convention makes clear that it is intended to apply to individuals coming directly, directly from a territory where their life was threatened. It also states that where people are crossing borders without permission, they should present themselves without delay to the authorities and must show good cause for any illegal entry. The UK, along with many others, including America, interpret this to mean that people should seek refuge and claim asylum in the first safe country that they reach. But NGOs and others, including the UN Refugee Agency, contest this. The status quo, where people are able to travel through multiple safe countries and even reside in safe countries for years, while they pick and choose their preferred destination to claim asylum, is absurd and unsustainable. Unsustainable. We can't sustain an asylum system if people claim that being gay or being a woman or that they're fearful of discrimination in their country because they are gay or a woman is sufficient to qualify for protection. You can probably hear the progressive screams ringing around the world. Now, LBC Radio's Sheila Fogarty had plenty to say about this this afternoon. If, is she arguing that a woman in, I don't know, India, case just as an example, who faces uh, severe sexual violence because of her religion in a particular community, um, that she should wait until she's experienced that sexual violence before she can claim asylum? Is is the very existence of discrimination that can lead... So, so Sheila Fogarty then, I think she's saying that if somebody says they fear being discriminated against because of a protected characteristic or a characteristic that would be protected in the UK, like like your, your gender, your, your biological sex or your sexuality, that if somebody in, a, in another part of the world fears being discriminated against, that's OK, we'll take them in. To persecution and violence, not sufficient anymore. I think somebody who has shown really impressive leadership on the whole question of migration and hasn't shied away. Who? Who's this? From the political and economic and social difficulties of it is Pope Francis. His first trip outside of Italy, 
of mainland Italy uh, when he became Pope over a decade ago was to go to Lampedusa, an island probably most of us hadn't heard of at that point and now has become synonymous with people seeking asylum. He talks about tolerance. He talks about creativity. He talks about welcoming the stranger. And again, that does not mean welcoming every stranger. It doesn't mean... Uh, having an open borders. Well, well, it does now. It does, uh, Sheila. If the Pope, and he's supposed to be God's representative on earth, if he's saying welcome to stranger, he's not saying welcome some strangers and don't welcome others. I think the Bible is pretty specific. I think the New Testament is pretty specific. Anyway. Any more of this, no? If, is she our... Oh, no, we'll, we'll leave Sheila Fogarty alone. She goes on to talk about um, the hateful nature of um, of the debate. Listen. No, no country can have an open borders policy where you just say, yeah, anything goes, it's fine, come here, anyone can live here. That's. But her colleague James O'Brien in the morning, um, in the mid-morning on LBC Radio, he seems to think that anybody who wants to come to the UK should just come to the UK. It's not... That's not how it works. Uh, but, But the... The language of the language of hate that seems to permeate a lot of this conversation has always bothered me, and it's why I think uh, that the Pope's leadership on it has been good, because he has he has spoken about the tone in which the language of hate. Eh? So look, we'll have an open door asylum policy. We'll have an open door immigration policy in this country. It's going to have a profound effect on your on your ability to succeed in life, on your ability to find good schools for your kids, on your ability to sustain or to find sustainable, not sustainable, but to find viable employment and all of that. But listen, don't complain about it in in, in, in terms other than those we tell you are acceptable. So we'll, we'll open the doors to anybody, right? We'll create huge problems logistically because of that will make things very difficult in your communities. But don't complain about it uh, in terms other than those we say are acceptable. If that's not gaslighting, I don't know what is. It's 18 minutes past the hour. Yeah. Um, it's the Hunger Games Society in Ireland. Uh, this from the Irish Independent today, Charlie Weston. There's been a huge spike in the number of households getting into arrears on their electricity and gas bills. Figures from the regulator show that 256,000 residential electricity customers were in arrears in the three months to June. This means one in eight households in Ireland are behind on their payments. Horrifying stuff. Here is Weston himself, the journalist, speaking to Morning Ireland. And it's a big chunk of electricity customers of 12% or 1 in 8 who are behind on their their electricity payments. Uh, it's up about 55,000 when compared with the first three months of this year. And it coincides with the ending of the payments, the last payments that we had on the electricity credit that everybody got. We got three of those in total, about 600 euros altogether. So, and also so you've got to remember as well, this is the three months up to June that a quarter of a million households will be in arrears. That would be a relatively low use period for electricity, particularly if you're using electricity to heat your home. Uh, so it, it, it puts a big focus now on 
whether or not we'll get more and what size of electricity credits we're going to get in in, in next month's budget because that's a lot of people who are, are struggling to, to, to pay their bills and if you look at gas as well it's about 168,000 customers there who are in arrears that's nearly a quarter of the residential gas customers so serious issues out there for some people paying their electricity bills as we know electricity prices have doubled gas prices something similar we have the most expensive electricity in Europe and even though they're coming down a bit it's still going to be going to be an expensive winter Gavin it sure is going to be an expensive winter Charlie Weston speaking to Morning Ireland 20 minutes past the hour thanks for your comments remember a bit later on in the programme I'll be taking your telephone calls and your Skypes as the details if you go to facebook.com forward slash BBG Ritchie look at the photographs there the details are there go to richieallen.co.uk you'll find the telephone numbers and all of that I'll give them to you before I open the phone lines but in the next few minutes we're going to be talking about 5G and children and schools and residential areas and attempts by residents and by mums and dads to put a stop to all of that that's very important Mark says do you remember when people used to have a dose that they couldn't shake during the winter sometimes weeks or months is this now long Covid asks Mark thank you Mark Pietro asks Pietro hi could long Covid simply be a figment of our imagination it might very well be I don't know Tim says I've seen a dozen or so mask wearers today compared to perhaps one or two last week coincidentally as the booster is rolled out Tim says he fears at this point it's become a cult for these poor folk who will never snap out of it nor do they seem to want to snap out of it Ardell says you cannot read the news today without finding a study that has linked some vaccine side effects to a legitimate illness as the University of South Carolina recently published a paper linking blood clots even to the common cold did it really Ardell? Did the University of South Carolina publish a paper linking blood clots to the cold? Wow, I didn't know that. Hi to Jan, who says, get the vax status of long COVID sufferers, then compare to the same number of unvaxed people and their long COVID numbers. That might give an interesting result, says Jan. Thank you, Jan. And John the Baptist says, I didn't know you could claim asylum just by saying you are gay. That is an easy one to fake. Well, not just by saying you're gay, John, but by saying that you are gay if you are coming from a country where homosexuality is outlawed or against the law, which is obviously stupid and terrifying for the people who live in those countries. How absolutely awful. Let's be honest about it. If you think about it, if you happen to be a gay man or a lesbian woman living in Qatar or Saudi Arabia or Iran can't be easy at all right but uh, Braverman's point is that people shouldn't be able to say they fear being discriminated against and then just walk through the front door of UK Inc and be given asylum that's what she's saying I'm not editorializing here I am an immigrant in this country I have no I know what I know what unfettered immigration does listen listen liberals so-called liberals or lefties of the 1970s and 1980s this is the thing that people do not know because people are ignorant people are ignorant ignorance is on steroids at the moment nobody wants to do a little bit of research a little bit of homework a little bit of reading reading what a great skill that once was right I'm a former trade unionist right I'm a former tra- I am a former voter for the Socialist Workers' Party, Sinn Féin, uh, the Labour Party in Ireland, and the Workers' Party. I used to believe that shit. I was a lefty. You know what lefties told you back in the 70s and 80s? You know what lefties told you? Lefties said immigration is a terrible thing. No, they didn't. 
that's unfair. Let me let me rephrase that. The, what they said was immigration can be de- uncontrolled immigration can be detrimental to the indigenous workforce because barons of industry, the captains of industry, will use it to drive down wages and screw their own people over. And Tony Benn used to talk in such terms. George, I'm the biggest fake socialist ever, Galloway. What an arsehole. He would have said stuff like that back in the day. He is too, by the way, Galloway. Awful, right? He would have said that. He would have said you cannot just have uncontrolled immigration because working class people suffer when that happens. But you wouldn't know that now, you see, with the fake left of 2023, you know, going after anybody uh, who, who questions the, the lunacy of the immigration policies of the UK and Ireland and labels people as fascistic because they dare say, what the fuck are you doing? There's not enough resources in my town. We don't have enough doctors here. We don't have enough schools. What are you doing? Leaving 300 people come in here. Oh, you're a dirty racist bastard. Well, in fact, I'm not. I'm a human being. I'm a Christian. I'm not particularly. I've nothing against my fellow man, but this is madness. Can't speak in those terms. But yeah, look it up. The left of your would say, you know, that it was the the conservatives. It was the elites that wanted to allow open door or open border policies because it suited their mates in big business because they could undercut the indigenous workforce by saying, fuck you. I've got a chap who's just come in here from Somalia. He's bright. He's uh, a good lad. And the pittance I am going to give him is 10 times the weekly wage he would get back home. But we'll pile him and 17 other Somalians into a fucking flat and they won't complain. Madness. It's 25 minutes past the hour. It's time, I think, to introduce my first guest. Before I do that, we've got to have a tune. That's the way it goes. It's very formulaic. But before I do that, let me make you laugh. You know that um, the Today Show, or Today, on BBC Radio 4, is one of the BBC's flagship radio programmes. These days, it's presented by people like Misha Hussein. Is it Michelle Hussein? Uh, she's a woman. You've got Nick Robinson, former political editor of the BBC. You've got Amal Rajan. They all present it. They present it, right? Um, it's lost a million listeners in the last 12 months. Now, I can tell you why, because radio production, and I used to teach radio production, and I'm very proud of that, is something I, I know quite a bit about. They've lost a million listeners because it is the most boring radio show in the history of talk radio. Not only that, but you have to imagine that as time goes on, people are becoming just a teeny weeny weeny little bit tired of being lied to. So maybe that accounts for some of the fall off in the listener numbers for Radio Force Today programme. They've lost a million. You know what um, Nick Robinson's excuse for losing a million listeners is? He says, uh, quote, people just want to avoid the news. I'm giving you time to belly laugh. He says market research literally calls them news avoiders. We all know people who think, I just can't face the world anymore. That's the reason why they lost a million listeners on BBC Radio 4. Ought to be a narcissist like that. It's because you're absolute dog vomit, Nick. You and all the rest of them at the BBC. If I lost a million listeners, I wouldn't be coming on when I wouldn't have a million listeners. But if I lost listeners like that, I wouldn't be making excuses like that. Here's Huey Lewis, back in a minute. 
Right, so that is Huey Lewis and the news. It's uh, 29 and a half minutes past the hour. Just before I welcome my guests uh, this hour, let me just mention this. This time last year, we were talking about David Icke, the author and researcher. You might remember he was banned from entering dozens of European countries for two years because he, quote, posed a threat to public order, end quote. That was uh, Dutch authorities, by the way. He was going to speak at a demonstration in Amsterdam, so they placed restrictions on him and they banned him. And he was banned from the Schengen zone in Europe, right, 26 countries. So he um, appealed this quite rightly because it was outrageous. And this morning uh, he was informed that his appeal was rejected. So presumably until... Uh, next year he remains banned from 26 countries. I don't need to tell you that it's appalling that. Regardless of what you think of David Icke, the man, his books and his opinions, this is the sort of stuff of dystopian films that we would have watched in years gone by, that somebody could be banned from travelling in a continent, not for anything he's done, or said he's never incited violence, he's never been convicted of a crime, but simply because of what he believes. It's outrageous. And uh, I can't say any more than that. Let's talk about um, 5G then. Because this is one of the most important things happening right now. Back in June, we met Kate Moore and Julia Burgess, didn't we? Great having them on. Kids go to a school in Maidstone. It's called Valley Park School. And she learned that Maidstone Borough Council had said that a mast could be put up, a 5G mast, 15 metres high, less than 10 metres from the school and less than 100 metres from classrooms. So there was a lot of objection to this, not just from parents but residents as well. But the council ignored this and said the mast would go up in any case. And when Kate came on, she came on to talk about the legal action um, that she was undertaking and she was joined by Julia, Julia Burgess. Uh, Julia consulted on the case and consults even and runs a Wi-Fi awareness group on Facebook. So it's great to welcome back to the programme Kate Moore and Julia Burgess. Ladies, welcome back. How are you? Hi, thank you. Good evening. Kate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you then. Nice to have you back, as I said. Do you want to bring us up to speed to, to, in terms of what's been going on since you came on to tell us that story back in, in, in June of this year? What's been happening since? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, so I... Um, we, we did the judicial review, which we had to withdraw from because the costs were going to be too high. Um, and then the the council then went ahead with approving the mast. Uh, um, um, and then um, since then, we've just been challenging it with, you know, with with letters of, you know, please, really, please don't put this up outside the school. Um, but recently it's come to our attention that um, there has been some errors in the safety certificate, which is called the ICNUT certificate, that the company um, submitted with their plans. And, and it's it, the, the company name is incorrect and the address used is incorrect. So this is quite a significant find. So I've since then gone back to the council to make a complaint about that. Um, and um, they, I wrote to the C- CEO of three also, and he confirmed that the mast is going going ahead despite you know our challenges. 
Um, so I'm at the moment. I'm just waiting to hear back from Maidstone Borough Council. So on this the is new... this is good news. So the mast hasn't yet gone up. Effectively, it, it hasn't. It's not gone up yet, but it's due to go up on uh, from between the seventh and ninth of October. There are there are works planned at the site. Um, so so far, it has been approved, um, and that's you know that's the last information we've heard. But we've we've put our complaint in, and we've just got to keep our fingers crossed, really. Right, very good. Now you said, and please God, you'll you'll win out. I'm not going to pretend to be unbiased here. So so you mentioned a moment ago that when one of these announcements goes in, when a telecommunications company says to a local authority, we want to erect a mast, they've got to submit an ICNRP certificate. Now, this is very important that listeners understand this, because I used to bang on about this years ago. Um, tell us about ICNRP. What is it? So ICNRP is, um, is a, it's a, a, a company, it's, um, it stands for um, International Commission of Non-Ionising Radiation Protection and it's supposed to be an independent company um, but I think it's somehow connected to WHO, WHO um, and I think that's correct. Um, no, no, hang so on a second, do, hang on, they, hang on, this is important now. No, you're right, you're absolutely right. Um, but, but it's a watchdog or it claims to be a watchdog but in fact it gets its funding almost exclusively from telecommunications companies. So there's, yeah, they there's get massive funding. Massive mm. funding. So, I mean, if that isn't a ridiculous and outrageous conflict of interest, I don't know what is. Here's an ICNRP. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we want to um, put a mast up next to your school. Here's an ICNRP safety certificate. Oh, incidentally, we, we paid ICNRP, you know, ICNRP effectively to produce that certificate for us because we fund ICNRP. That is absolutely outrageous. And presumably most people don't know uh, this. So what's the look, before we bring Julie in, and, and Julie can join in at any time, you, you might have seen to say as well on this particular point but 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 what what are the council sayings then so so telecommunications company three says we're going to put it up in early october what has the council said lately uh lately they've just um they haven't actually said very much at all they've just they've just um confirmed that it it is a, a prior approval and that it will it will be going up and and um and but but um, in within, I guess the beginning of September, we sent. I sent a complaint, and I've sent two complaints to the council regarding the information on the safety safety certificate because it's incorrect, which you would think would make the ICNAP certificate invalid. And you know, this document's really important because it it basically will will declare whether it's safe or not. And if the information on it is wrong, then you know it can't really be taken but the council they you know they they just said we're we're waiting to hear from the legal team um and i think the latest email was we we should let you know by the 6th of october but bearing in mind the work start on the 7th it gives us little time to act on that if it still goes ahead if it still goes ahead so not only is it NERP uh, the, the, the company providing safety certificates, not only is it funded by the companies it provides safety certificates for, but it's also getting its documentation wrong, its paperwork wrong. That's bad yeah. enough. Let's bring Julie in, your friend who's consulted on this. She's an expert on this and is a runs a Wi-Fi awareness group on Facebook. Welcome back, Julia. How are you? Are you there? Yes. Sorry, Can Julia. You hear me? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, you, I might have accidentally muted you, Julia. I'm an idiot. Oh, Don't mind right. me. Okay. Yes. No, good, good, to, good to have you back. So, um, 
Thanks what, for having me. Not at all. So what do you make of this then? So the paperwork is wrong. ICNERP is hardly independent. And the council is like, well, don't look at us, Gov. And three is saying the mast is going up in any case. Before you comment on that, do you want to share with our listeners who might not understand anything about this? Why are you worried about a 5G mast going up near a school? What's wrong with these things? They help us to make phone calls quickly. They help us to download videos and send emails. What's going on? Why are you worried about this stuff? Well, um, the 5G mast, as with all masts, actually, it, it doesn't matter which generation it is, they all emit what, what's called radio frequency radiation, which is actually classified as a Group 2B carcinogen, by the World Health Organization's cancer agency, uh, which is called IARC, that's A-I-R-C, the International Agency for Research on Cancer. Um, the radi radio frequency radiation is classified as a group 2B carcinogen, and it has been since 2011. Uh, if I can just talk about this certificate that Kate mentioned. Do. <clears throat> The ICNERP certificate, well, basically with any planning application, the ICNERP certificate forms a critical part of any application for a, 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 a transmitter such as this. Um, so when there's a new installation being proposed, along with the planning application documents, there must be an ICNERP certificate. Now, in this case, the, the reason why we've got a problem with this it was brought to our attention by a lovely lady in Lincolnshire a few weeks ago um, regarding the, the problem with the ICNERP certificate. It's actually written by a company that no longer exists. Um, if, if I can just explain, in, in this case with the Maidstone Mast, it's written, written by a company called 3 UK Limited. Now, if you go to Company's House, and search for 3UK Limited, you'll see that it was dissolved. The company was dissolved in 2015. So how a company that no longer exists can declare health and safety assurances on a mast that's to be installed, who knows? So that's one problem we have. Julia, how did they get away with that? How does... Well... How does a, comp how does a local authority get away with ignoring this blatant information how can they wave it off well who knows uh, this is what we're trying to find out uh, all all i can imagine is that they just see these planning applications coming in and they're just very complacent maybe overworked uh, and, and don't bother to to look any further into it who knows why it's being ignored this is what we're challenging at the moment uh, not only was the company name wrong um the address that the company is registered at, well, 3UK Limited was never registered at the address that is given on the ICNERP certificate. Uh, it says that they're registered at Star House in Maidenhead. Um, well, 3UK Limited, when it was trading, was never registered at Star House. These, these are the problems we have. Well, you're not nitpicking. This isn't nitpicking. We're talking about a legal document. And in a legal document, every word of it has to be verifiable. Every single word of it. So you this would isn't think so. You would think so, yeah. And, and anything, th th this mistake, if it is a mistake, should render it null and void, shouldn't it? Well, you would think so. We, we think it, it should invalidate this, the certificate. Um, the health, it's basically a health and safety certificate uh, made out by a company that hasn't existed since 2015.
But you know what, Julia, as I mentioned um, already, as, as we mentioned already with uh, Kate, when this company, when Ickenerp is can be shown, it can be shown quite clearly and quite easily to be funded by the telecoms lobby. Again, how can they get away with that? I don't understand it. Again, who, who, yeah. who knows? Who knows how they get away with these things? But they do, and they're riding roughshod over over citizens uh, across the country. Uh, we just don't seem to have any say in matters. It, it's just absolutely ridiculous. You, you just can't believe what's going on. Kate, you come back in at, at any any time, any time you like. I mean, yeah, for for you, this is say, go ahead. I was just going to say, actually, in the Code of Practice for Wireless Network Development in England, which is a government document, um, point 74 says high quality applications are essential. And this includes the information provided in the application is of good standard. <laughs> and it so, isn't. The company name is wrong. The address is wrong. Yeah. And, you, no, and, and, and you're all fighting an uphill battle because as we discussed last time, sorry, I don't mean to be negative. Um, I shouldn't say you're fighting an uphill battle. You're fighting hard. But there's a cost involved in all of this, isn't there? And you just don't have the money, do you? And by you, I mean you, the parents, the residents. You're taking on a monster, really, aren't you? Yeah, we are. And um, and I think that's where that's why we had to withdraw from, you know, the judicial review. And that's really frustrating because, because and in the end, you know, you bring in legal firms and, and you know, they win because they, you know, you know they get... They have a big bill that we have to pay, so it's very frustrating um, that we're, we are kind of helpless. And, and help from the MPs is very difficult because I don't live in the constituency for Maidstone. So the, the Maidstone MP is Helen Grant, and she's not interested in helping me because I don't live there, even though my child goes to the school in her area. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to get hold of Tom Tugendhat. Uh, he's, he's my MP. Um, in a hope that he can step in. You hope he might step in. Mm. I mean, and Julia, you come back in as well on this. In terms of trying to trying to get, you, you know, people to listen when it comes to 5G masks and previously it was people talking about 4G, how difficult is it to to, to get an audience with people where you can explain to them, look, this is going to have profoundly negative um implications for the health of people not just children but for everybody it's not easy is it because i've had these conversations in salford with people and they look at me as if you know i've i've, I've just grown an extra head it's not an easy one to get through to people it's, is it and no it's certainly not uh we, we have the same problems um i think mainly it's because people are so nowadays they're so addicted to tech uh i mean there's nothing wrong with that there wouldn't be if it was safe uh, but people, it, it's so intertwined with everyday life. If you're trying to explain to people that this this stuff is harmful, um, of course the, 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 they're going to look down on you um, because they don't think there's anything wrong with it. They, they're not feeling any effects of this of this stuff. But really, if you look at half the half the population is sick with one thing or another thing. We know very few people nowadays who are not taking medication for one thing or another. Um, I'm sure a few decades ago it was not like that. Um, and nobody's really questioning why this is. Uh, a, lot be, a lot is blamed on the pandemic, but really it goes, it goes on way, way beyond the pandemic, far, far bef before that um, 
started. So uh, so many people in hospital, so much demand on the NHS, um, and people don't seem to question why. And and I I I I was over the years I found myself regularly discussing electromagnetic hypersensitivity. And I was looking it up today, knowing full well there wouldn't be any papers on it because as far as the medical fraternity is concerned, electromagnetic hypersensitivity doesn't exist. But I believe and I know it does exist. There's no doubt in my mind I've had verifiable experts, academics, um, you know, university academics on shows over the years saying it is serious. And it's even more... Uh, dangerous when you're talking about 5G, for for example. And Kate, this is a real worry for you, obviously, with your kids. And and on that, I mean, what about the teachers? I might have asked you this back in June. I mean, I, 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 I'd be interested in this. If I'm working in a school, you know, and you came to me and said, look, this is might not be in your best interest, this mast to be placed on the boundary of the school. Whether I'd heard of this before, I'd be interested in finding out more about it. What what has been the response of teachers and people working in the school, Kate? Oh, well, this is where we kind of came to a little bit of a brick wall because um, at the beginning, the chief executive of the trust, so he looks after three schools, he was really helpful, actually. But um, when it went to publication in the Kent Messenger paper, I think he felt a bit aggrieved because he wasn't consulted about his name being mentioned. Um, so he, he kind of withdrew um, communication to, to me which was disappointing because because it's good to have a you know a, a communication link with the school and the parents, and I think that's where possibly this has gone a little bit wrong because the I don't think still I don't think many parents are aware. I live out of the area, so I don't I don't know a wide range of the parents. Um, but really, I mean, I don't know. It, it may maybe it's a discussion they've had in school with the teachers. May, maybe um, you know I'd like to think that there's been a discussion about the mask, but. I, I, I can't answer that question fully. I'm not really aware. And Julia, you run this um, really interesting group on, on Facebook. A um, lot of interest in that. Um, but I imagine it's difficult on Facebook because of, well, the kind of creeping, if not gallivanting, censorship on that platform, right? Oh, there has been, certainly. I mean, you you, you were never able at one point to, to talk about... Uh, COVID in the same sentence as electromagnetic fields for a start, because uh, the Facebook police would be out. <laughs> so that seems to have quietened down a little bit now. So we, we have a little bit more free speech in the group. Uh, yeah, go can ahead. I just go, would I be able to just go back to the ICNERP certificate just, just for a moment? By all means, Julia, uh, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, the one with regards to um, the, the mast in Maidstone, there was a little bit more wrong with it. We've got we've got more of a problem with it than uh, other than the, uh, the the non-existent company declaring uh, health and safety assurances for this mast that's due to be erected at the beginning of October. Not only that, but the, on the ICNERP certificate itself, they got the site address wrong, which was something we brought up uh, way back. Uh, I think in April we first mentioned this to the council that the intended site address for the mast was actually incorrect. Um, they, they put an area in Maidstone uh, called Boxley, which is actually two miles away from the intended site of the mast. Also, the postcode was incorrect. When we checked out the postcode, that was 
the, the postcode on the certificate, that's actually 100 metres away from the intended site of the mass. So all in all, most of the ICNERP certificate is actually incorrect. Why do you think and that is, Julie? Is that down to haste? Is it down to, you know, trying to prepare these documents as quickly as possible? I mean, that, I, I feel stupid even asking that question, but I, I can't think of any other reason why the mistake could be so repetitive making mistakes with addresses and postcodes why, why I, would think, I think the uh, the agent that issues these um, certificates they're, they're doing that many at a time I, right. I can only imagine that they're not looking carefully at the at the site address uh, it's they're all they're, they're being it's just so uh, it's they're being incomp you know the I don't know, just being incompetent, complacent, who knows? Um, but these are the issues we've got. But if I can just say, this is not particular to this Maidstone Mast. We have been checking ICNERP certificates for many other planning applications around the country, and people can check this for themselves. If they look for the ICNERP certificate, it's, it's also known as the Declaration of Conformity. It's a health and safety declaration. It must be submitted with every MAST application. If you check that out, we've, we've seen them going back as far as 2019. Nearly everyone that we found in relation to the three mobile network MASTs, it, it's a company called 3UK Limited is making these declarations. And then if they check that name on Companies House, they'll see that it no longer exists. It no longer uh, exists. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's almost... It hasn't existed since 2015, and even the registered address wasn't, in fact, its registered address. This Star House address, again, that's wrong. Um, hey, Julia, here's how I see it, right? Kate, you too. This is how I see this, right? Not, it doesn't matter how I see it, but just for, for, for the sake of it, here's how I see it. Um, these... These um, technologies are dangerous. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I've seen evidence of it. So 5G um, millimetre wave technology is dangerous and it has profoundly negative implications for people's health. I've already said that. They're flying up all over the country, these masks. No doubt about that. I think you're right there, Julia. They're flying up all over the country. And I think for the most part, people just don't have a clue. So whether it's Salford, whether it's Basingstoke, Milton Keynes, people haven't a clue. They have no idea. I, I know you're right because I looked into it today. The ICNR certifica certification, the mistakes with the addresses, with the dates, with the postcodes, all of that. No no doubt about that. And, and, and yet this is happening. And ICNR provides safety certificates for companies, companies which fund ICNR. This is an absolute egregious conflict of interest. So it's it's outrageous. What what can people do about this? And again, I, I don't want to be negative in saying this. Like, you're intelligent people. You're well-meaning people. You're not crazy people. You're doing the right thing. You're asking the right questions. But you're finding it next to impossible to prevent this mass going up on the boundary of this school. And it will have a terrible impact on the kids there. No doubt about that. What can people do about it? I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at non-violent civil disobedience in, in London for ULES. And I'm not endorsing anything because I'll be, be, ultimately I'll be moved off air. For, I'm not. But is, is, it, is it going to come to that, do you think? I mean, interference with these technologies, jamming them somehow. Kate, do you want to come in on that? I mean, yeah, what can yeah, people sure. do? Um, okay, so in, in the Maidstone Mast incident, they, if they write to Helen Grant, the MP, 
um, she have a government a parliament address if they email her to basically ask her to step in and you know help to to stop this mask. There's still time. It has been known. Um, I think there's a, a Conservative MP in Lincolnshire, Matt Warman. He's managed to recently overturn a mast. Well, him not not him alone, because there's been lots of protests against it. But he managed to help to overturn a mast in Lincolnshire. So I think we just need parents, um, anyone who's concerned, write into Helen Grant. Um, I'm not in her constituency, so she won't listen to me. Um, and and failing that, I guess you know, we call the Blade Runners to, to come when yeah. it goes up. <laughs> and you know, I, I interviewed Julia, I interviewed a lovely woman called Suzanne. Absolutely gorgeous soul, an amazing lady. A few years ago, one of the most stunning interviews ever. I don't mean it was a stunning interview because it was on this programme, but I mean it stunned me. She she sent me um, an email from inside a a uh, a hospital for how do you say, I'm not going to say a mental hospital, but a psychiatric hospital. So she said to me, I'm in this hospital. And I, I, I didn't believe her. I had to ring the hospital to confirm she was in there. And it turned out she was in there. Lovely, smashing uh, lady. She said, I'm in here because I went to complain to my doctor that the doctor should say something about the 5G masts and the radiation technology and all of that. And the doctor dismissed her as being a bit of a crank and Suzanne wouldn't take it. And she said, no, no, this is serious. And the doctor had her sectioned. Oh. She, yeah, and, and I interviewed her from inside the hospital. I think but, I remember that, actually. I, yeah, it was I, I almost comical. I remember something a few years ago about that. It was almost comical, Julia. So there's no doubt that the radiation from these masts is harming people. And yet if you go to a GP about it, because they've been... I'm not going to say condition, but they've been told that none of this is real, that electromagnetic hypersensitivity, all of that, it's all nonsense. It's all a figment of people's imaginations. You might end up like Suzanne. They might say, look, if you keep going on about this, I'm going to recommend that you're given a psychological evaluation. I mean, that's that's where we are when it comes to this. So I'm not... Be, right. I'm, yeah, it could be, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's, yeah... Um, what do you think, Julia? I mean, what what do you think is the purpose then? If five G masts are not really to improve interconnectivity and to improve our experience online and speeds, what is it about? Is it deliberately to make people unwell? I don't think it's to make people unwell. I I don't know. I mean, the the people have various um, ideas of what the reasons are behind it. Really, in my view, we certainly don't don't need the technology. Um, they, they claim that it's to, to give us a better uh, broadband service or, or whatever, better telecommunication service. But uh, and I, I know that some people are in uh, what they call not spots around the country and they want a better mobile service. But uh, I don't know. We, we, it's dividing the country. Certainly, you've got people who are against this technology and people who are, are welcoming it. Um me, for, for one, I, I don't use mobile phones. Uh, I get on quite happily. Myself and my husband get on quite happily without all this wireless tech. Uh, I'm speaking to you right now on uh, a wired internet connection, just like it used to be in the olden days, actually, if we if you remember having uh, the, the broadband cable. I know dial-up uh, wasn't, wasn't that clever, but uh, right now, 
we don't use any wireless. We don't use Wi-Fi. We don't use mobile phones. Uh, we don't watch television. <laughs> uh, we're very, very happy. We don't have any other problems other than we are uh, electrosensitive to a point. Um, like I mentioned back in June, we were a lot uh, more ill than, than we are now. We've managed to um, basically cope with the, the, the symptoms that we did have and get a lot better by reducing our exposure, which is what I'd recommend anybody do. Um, if you can, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't a can, loaded, that's right. yeah, it wasn't a loaded question about, you know, is it deliberately to make people unwell? I, I, I'm not saying it is. I, I, I don't well, know. Yeah. I, I, don't I mean, know. the thing is, but it is they, making they do people know unwell. what it's doing to people. The, the, there are that many uh, studies done. Um, there, there are so many people writing to MPs and people in government about this, the scientists are uh, uh, writing uh, and studying and uh, it's not like they don't know about this um, they, they know fine well but they're, they're paid to deny it um, you know there are scientists on the other side who are actually paid to deny the effects so we're, we're up against it certainly Do you think just before I give Kate the final word do you think it will become so apparent as to be undeniable in terms of the illness it might cause in wider society, the more of these masks that are erected. What do you think? I, I would hope so. I, I would hope it would come to, I mean, unfortunately, it might have to come to that where so many people get so incredibly ill that something has to be done about it. Um, you know, I think it needs to get much worse before it can get better. Thanks for that, Julia. Julia, just a very quick yes or no question. Um, Somebody has, we've had quite a few messages on this, I'll read them out in a moment. C could you ask Julia and or Kate if it is true that in France it's against the law to put the masks within one kilometre of a school? Is that true, do we know, or is that just a rumour? I don't know uh, if that's true or not, actually. I do know that Wi-Fi is, is banned in um, preschool. Um, I believe it's for the reasons that... Uh, this wireless radiation is harmful, especially to to young children. Um, I don't know about the proximity of masts to schools. Uh, I do know about 5G, uh, there is an exclusion zone, what you call exclusion zones, and that applies to all 5G masts. Uh, and that's a 50 metre exclusion zone, um, as opposed to the 25 metres for the 4G masts. And this is just a rough, a rough distance. Uh, it's it's not exactly set in stone, but it has to be considered that, that this distance from a 5G mast is greater than, than it was for a 4G mast. Thanks for that, Julia. Kate, I'll give you the final word then. What would you like people to do listening to this today? Um, I'd like them, anyone living in the Maidstone area to write to Helen Grant. Um, um, they can contact our crowdfunder page for information on how best to do that. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's just not enough scientific evidence out there to suggest it is safe um, and, and, you know, that it's not going to harm us. So just, we've got to stop putting them outside of schools or residential areas until further studies become available. 
Listen, thanks to both of you for coming on. I will, of course, put links on the podcast notes, including to the group that Julia looks after. Um, good luck with it, ladies. It's hugely important. There isn't many, there aren't many things more important than this right now. And I really appreciate, pre- appreciate even if I can say it, your efforts to raise awareness of it. So thank you very much and have a good evening. Thanks. Thanks for having us on, Richie. You're thank welcome, you. Julia. Thank you. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Kate. Yeah. That's uh, Julia Burgess there. Thanks uh, again to uh, to Julia and to Kate Moore, whose children are attending that school in Maidstone where they want to erect that mast, where they plan on putting it up a 15-metre 5G mast. She said in early October they've signalled their intention to do that. A lot of uh, interesting commentary on that. Thank you. Uh, Kev says, the good people of Totnes in South Devon had success with a petition to stop a mast recently. Thanks uh, for that, Kev. That's heartening. Hi to Tom, who says, please explain how it all could be connected. I don't know, Tom. I mean, I have my suspicions, you know. I believe that the Internet of Things is obviously very important. I really do, obviously. Smart, the smart future, the technocratic revolution that they are not planning, but that they're rolling out at the moment, right, where pretty much you'll be surveyed. You'll be watched morning, noon and night. Everything you do, and this will all be tied in with uh, the climate hoax, right? Everything you eat, the temperature of your home. Uh, I think 5G is very important for all of that. 6G, it'll be 6G next year or the year after. So Tom, why don't you give me a ring in a moment when I open the phones? I'm going to do it now, in fact, if you have the answer to that. Stephen says, I think it's got to do with all of the satellites that keep going up. Skynet, maybe, says Stephen. Uh, thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate that. Isabel asks, have we, have we been looking at the wrong place when researching the link between heart attacks and, sorry, heart attacks in the young generation and the COVID jab? Have we been looking in the wrong place when researching whether there's a link between heart attacks in the young and the COVID jab? Young people go to schools. 5G masts are raised up next to schools. Could these heart issues be actually created by 5G exposure? That's a good question. That is a good question. I don't know the answer to it. I'm taking your telephone calls and your Skypes, okay? So it's Chat with Richie on Skype. The WhatsApp number for the programme, all of this information is is on photographs on Twitter and on facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. The WhatsApp number is 07565942270. I'll read it out again, 07565942270. And because we've less than an hour left i really am gonna go legacy media on this and we'll get through as many calls as we possibly can okay in the next hour let's do that now we're, we're going to ireland straight up ireland calling good evening caller who am i speaking with good evening richard damien here from county Kerry. hello damien and Kerry. it's been a long time how are you keeping pal you well it has been oh, flying away richie more on away nicely you're keeping well. I'm keeping well, mate, and uh, I'm all the better for, for for hearing from you, Damien. Great to have you on, pal. What would you like to say? Very good. Uh, just um, you were talking about data collection and whatnot you know, last week in schools and all, you know. Oh yeah. So, um, what's going on? Uh, the transport industry. I work in transport. I'm a lorry driver, and what has been going on the last couple of years is absolutely frightening. To do a data collection. Tell me more. So, we have the, you know, the digital tachograph, the tachograph that records all hours and whatnot. Yes, yeah. Um, they have advanced now in the last couple of years, and so much so that it's all coordinates. 
the, the tachograph knows exactly where the lorry stops now and whatnot, whether you're in the UK, Spain, Ireland and whatnot. And I've been trying to raise the question, where is the data going? And who is collecting the data? I believe the harvest and the data. They're watching routes and they're watching everything else and deliveries and whatnot, I believe. Now, wouldn't the company employing the driver, wouldn't the company, the, the data would only be of interest to the company. Now, I know I'm wrong. I'm just putting this out there to be devil's advocate. But if I'm employing mm. Damien to drive a lorry for me, I, I want to be sure that Damien is not driving more hours than he should and he's taking the proper rest periods. Who, who else might want the data, do you think? I don't know. I, I believe what's going on at the moment is there's been a number of major takeovers in the last couple of years by American companies have come in and bought Irish haulage companies. And I believe they've had their homework done. They've harvested the data. They know the routes. They know the customers. They know everything. And they can go in and they can basically buy the company out and whatnot. Very good, Damien. You have the answer. And then if anyone, yeah, and if anyone challenges anything then to do with tachograph laws and whatnot, it's all in the interest of road safety. You cannot challenge it. No, and I wonder if there's some climate change component to this as well, this gathering of data. Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Now, what has happened, as I said, a couple of large Irish companies have been taken over in the last few years by American companies and investment companies. I've looked into them. The most of them are funded by BlackRock and Vanguard, the usual suspects. Tell me this. And... Uh, no, no, sorry, finish that thought. Yeah. You, you said they're funded by BlackRock, which has $11 trillion worth of investments around the world. It's a bigger company. In fact, it's, it's, its financial outgoings and dealings are greater than that of countries like Great Britain or the UK in terms of yeah. gross domestic product. It's a, a behemoth, right? So, so these companies are involved. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes, yes, yes. And they're, they're funding these investments and whatnot, these investment companies to take over haulage companies and buy them out. And I believe they're basically going to them and saying, either sell to us now or we'll sink you. Sell to us now or or we'll sink you, Damien. This is really, before I take yeah. another call, because I'm going to fly through the calls, right? Um, mm -hmm. a, a, as quick as you can, does it feel different does ireland feel a different place is there something in the oh, air in ireland at the moment to be honest with you i believe it's the water or something i believe it's fluoride or something it's totally people are just switched off they won't engage with you as soon as you try to raise something with you you're shut down you're dismissed there's no conversation there's no debate there's nothing like what 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 you make of um what what you make of the 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 the, the fracas outside Dole Aaron last week with your man Healy Ray uh, and all of that nonsense sure complaining about a protesters complete, yeah a complete another psyop did you see the video where his assistant dropped her phone I didn't see it no but I read about it the phone was taken off her right yeah she she was clearly seen dropping the phone just dropped it and. They claimed then that the phone was taken off or total nonsense, like a complete psyop. So you think they're going after protests? To try and bring, they're going after protesters. We've been protesting ourselves against refugees coming into the town and whatnot, and we have just been blackened by every politician in the whole lot. Yeah, because you're because you you're nothing but a shower of racists, isn't that right, Damien? That, it must be oh, that. Right. It can't be any other reason. Yeah. Like you must be a racist, yeah. That's it. And nobody will come out and support us. People will say to us on the street, well done, fair play to you. 
And we're saying, but why won't you join us? Oh, I've got this on with the kids and I've got that on. I can't make it. Uh, well, maybe they don't have enough time for the racism, Damien. Maybe they just like a cup of tea yeah. in the evening. You know what I mean? A cup of tea in the evening. <laughs> that, that could be we'll it. But going, go on. Going back to my original point though, about the haulage companies and whatnot, but what actually happened now as well in the last couple of years, two companies were taken over, but I won't mention any names. They were taken over. Now, we all know the Northern Irish... There was a bit of roguery in them, you know? Yeah. So there was two companies taking over. They sold out for millions and whatnot. But they came back. They rebranded. They are now back in business again and have gone after their previous customers and they've taken their business back from under the, the American investors. Predatory capitalism in in plain sight, uh, Damien. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm going to take another yeah, call because I promised that. Of course they will. Brilliant to have you on, pal. Thanks for that about the data. Thanks That's very interesting. Me. Brilliant, Damien. Thanks. That's Damien in County Kerry, who's driving a, a lorry for a living. And I would ask Damien if he had a bit more time. Y- you know, if they plan to ban the production of diesel cars and petrol cars in 2030. Well, they've in this country, they're claiming it'll be pushed back to 2035, or at least the UK government is, but the UK government will change, I think, next year. But I, to my absolute shame, I've not looked into lorries. Presumably lorries are exempt at the moment, are they? Um, caller, you're live on the programme. Welcome. Who am I speaking with? It's your... Hi, Richie. This is Robert from North London. Hello, Robert in North London. Welcome. How are you? I'm OK, sir. I'm OK. Um Richie, I, I just want to try and spin through this really quickly. Now, yeah, because um, we spoke Irish, recently. Hang on, we spoke recently. I recognised the voice, and I want to move it along quickly, oh, and I want to get new callers. If you remember, I was the dude that was um, was put under when I was having a fixation removed from my collarbone. That's right. Um, that's that right. I was I was pilloried at, at um, and almost banned from work because of sneaking into um, a Christmas party unjabbed. If you remember all of that, I remember. It was absolutely fascinating. But no, I'm not being rude. I am going to move it along quickly. So no, um, no, 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 I'm. I'm I want to spin along too. Go, I, was, I, I really want to get out of the queue. Now, th- this that lovely Irish chap, uh, the trucker, that was talking about um, people's vicarious uh, need for sort of uh, reflected glory, if you like. I mean, that's what I suppose is the same thing. It's the same as those poor, poor ladies in Maidstone. They're actually fighting the good fight. Uh, I think they could do it more effectively, if I might make so bold. Oh. But I'm pretty sure, well, direct action for a start. You make conditional um, conditional proposals to the council. Say, well, okay, you'll get your council tax when you stop doing this, this and this. Brilliant. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I agree with this. Hang on, I like this. But the problem is it's getting people to join that fight. Look, the, the streets around my... Home. I, I live in in uh, in Salford. Okay, mm. I live near the hospital. Um, I am surrounded by nice people, working people, decent people who keep a clean house and they look after their kids. But the streets, uh, there are no bins. There are no street sweepers coming around. Um, it looks like Beirut here. It's a disgrace, right? People don't know what it is they're paying their council tax for. I love. To get a consensus, to get a group of people to say, you know what, you can go and sing for your effing council tax. I like this, Robert, but answer me this. How do you do that in a world where we're so disconnected from one another? I think you have to use, as Mark Windows said, small groups. Now, it's a little bit, the analogy is being attacked by a dog or a swarm of bees or hornets. 
if you attack by a dog, no matter how big and ruthless that dog is, you can give it a good twatting and a good kick, a bit of a, 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 a creaser with a baseball bat, and it will run off. You can't do the same to a swarm of uh, wasps or hornets or bees. You'll get stung. Now, once we do that and people realize how, A, how easy it is, B, how little trouble it is, because most people, Richie, want to sit on their ass, Netflix and chill, maybe drink a bit of wine because they can't afford to go to the pub, and, and literally let everything wash over them from one opiate of sorts to another, whether that opiate be Netflix, whether it be YouTube, whether it be whatever. Now, we have to actually help people to realize how easy it is and how little personal cost it is to them. Worst case scenario, they'll get a nasty letter from the council saying, oh, pay up. If they do that and they buckle, fair enough. But if enough people make a, a, make a, make a dent, the people in the councils will have to take notice. I mean, you'll notice from my accent, I'm from Birmingham originally. You're a Brummie. Um, yes, yes, for my sins. Now, I've seen, they've announced that they were, went bust. I mean, that was, that was in the post years ago. I've seen, I'm 60 years old. I've been in London for 35 years and I've seen corruption in Birmingham ever since I was at school. From people, councillors charging 25 grand in 1979 to have their fence creosoted and charging it to the city, right through to people having um, crooked bids for um, uh, potential Olympic bids and things like that that, that, that were never going to come about. So I've seen that and it gives... It shows what a farce council tax actually is. It represents double dipping. Taxation without representation, paid. taxation without contract. Precisely. You know, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I wouldn't pay it. My, my better half, and I'm not doing her down, um, she doesn't want the hassle, so, so pays it. I, I, no. wouldn't, I, I just wouldn't pay it. Um, Robert, I'm going to rely on those who want a quiet life. I'm going to move on, right? That was an excellent call. Okay. Uh, no patronising here whatsoever. Call, not at all, mate. Thank you. Uh, folks, you can contact the programme on WhatsApp. I'll give you the other details uh, now. Uh, the WhatsApp is 0756594270. I want to hear you on these subjects and the other contact details. These are all on a photograph on the website, by the way. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Right, I want to hear you now on this subject or any other. Look back in 1994, I was a tour guide at Waterford Crystal. There were 35 tour guides, massive visitor centre, thousands of tourists coming in and out every day. We learned that for a year we had been unfairly we had been unfairly paid we hadn't been paid properly we were supposed to get time and a half on Saturday and we were supposed to get double time on Sunday and we didn't get it for a year and we found out that we were owed it and we said we wanted it and the company said no you can go and sing for it well we said we'll go on strike this is a true story so they said, right, go on strike. So we said, we will go on strike. We had the union behind us, obviously. There was 2,000 workers in the company and, and all the rest of it. So we said, we're going to strike on the weekend. The QE2 comes into Dunmore East in Waterford. Now, this is going to speaking to what Robert said, about if you get enough people, if you get enough people who stick together. Now, there were one or two people who came from well-to-do-ish backgrounds. And they said, I swear, uh, there were women, two women, two two 
relatively mature women. They said, we will not go on strike. We will work on, um, we will continue to work and we will work for the QE2. Uh, we won't join you on strike. Now, I don't know what you know about trade unionism, particularly in Ireland. Um, these were women, so I couldn't say very much, but some of the other girls went to them and told them in no uncertain terms that if they passed the picket, if they betrayed their fellow tour guides, that they would be tarred and feathered and paraded up and down the Cork Road in Waterford City. Is that grotesque or is it fair? You know, how do you get consensus in a big, big housing estate like like Salford? How do you get people to come together and say, right, we will all collectively withhold council tax. We will not make the payment via debit card next month, all of us together, until they do the things we want them to do. And then what do you do when the inevitable... Um, scabs, let's call them that, say, right, well, we're not going to go along with it. We're just going to do whatever we want. What do you do about that? Uh, 17 minutes past the hour. Let me read a few comments quickly. Uh, Paula says, Richie, I watched a Dr. Klinghart uh, years ago, a guy called Dr. Klinghart, or a lady, I don't know, explaining the dangers of 5G, explaining uh, the dangers of 5G. I'll take another call in a second. Um, he said these frequencies can be directionally pulsed and target specific establishments. This would make everyone in um, in and around the target incredibly ill. That is uh, from Paula. Thank you, Paula. Caller, you're live on the air. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie. It's Danny in Brighton. Hello, Danny in Brighton. Welcome. It's been a long time. Danny, what would you like to say? Uh, I've got a request overall, Richie, if if I could, uh, for if you wouldn't mind possibly interviewing one of the carnivore doctors that are curing people by putting them on a meat-based diet. A meat-based diet. Come on, mate. No, no, you tell me. I, I know nothing of this. So so somebody oh. is curing somebody with a meat-based diet. How does it work? No, there's loads of them, mate. There's absolutely tons of them. But you know what it's like with true information? It's all remains fractured and stuff, doesn't it? So, yeah, it probably can cure autoimmune issues and that. I've been on this way of eating for four and a half years now, mate. It turns out that genuinely, I know it sounds crazy, vegetables turn out to be toxic. They've got defense chemicals in nature, uh, lectins, octolates, phytates, so they wreak havoc with your system. Vegetable oils are terrible. Seed oils are even worse because the seed's the most protected part of the plant. Then there's a bunch of, I know what it's like, if, for your, certainly for yourself with academia, you need to hear these things from, from somebody from academia. So there's a laundry list of these guys that are all over the world, just um, like Dr. Sean Baker, Anthony Chafee, Paul Mason. There's literally loads of them. Yeah, you've, you've, sold me, you've, you know? you've sold me on the interview. So there, there are claims that, that vegetables are toxic because of the conditions vegetables are grown in, because of the pesticides, presumably, that if you go to the supermarket, I've read this before, and you pick up um, some frozen bird's eye veg, and the chances are that is contains toxic chemicals, maybe even carcinogens. I've read this before. No, the, the worst of the carcinogens and the toxins are actually just already in the plant, Richie. It's the pesticides and stuff that just make it even worse. You, you know, this overriding Kabbalah, like they incrementally chip away at things. So they initially, they get you with the vegetables, which wasn't a good idea. Ever since then, everyone's health has been going downhill. We're about the same age, mate. You know, it's like in the 70s. You couldn't, it was yeah. the fat kids, wasn't it? Well, tell it? me, you hang know, on, like, hang on. I've got to challenge this, Danny. How how could the vegetables themselves be toxic? Why? Because the seeds the, are toxic? Tell me. Sorry, bro. Uh, the plant defense chemicals like lectins, octolates, phytates, 
Doctor, this is quoting Doctor Anthony Chaffee. There's, there's like over 134 carcinogens in a Brussels sprout. Give mate. over. He, hang uh, on, he, hang on, Danny, hang yeah. on. So you're telling me that plants and naughty, vegetables, mate, uh, plants and vegetables have their own inbuilt defense mechanisms, and these yeah. are toxins. I don't get this because yeah. once the plant is picked, it's dead anyway. I don't get that. Go yeah, ahead. Well, the, the plants they can't move, can they? So they rely on their own defense chemicals to to ward off predators, whether there be uh, people trying to eat them or pests and animals. Uh, so the, there are certain plants that certain animals can eat. I mean, this fruit, for example, the, the plant wants a bird to eat it so it can shit out the seeds and uh, germinate them to uh, continue its line, so to speak. But yeah, plants in and of themselves, they, they plant, literally Anthony Chafee wears a t-shirt saying plants that's literally trying to kill you. I this know it sounds interesting. crazy, mate, when I come across information. Oh, God, i got a bus trying to pull in the bus stop. Danny, Danny it might stuff. sound crazy, but that doesn't matter. We don't dismiss things out of hand on programmes like these. We're, we're interested. I know nothing about this, so I'm fascinated. Uh, obviously, I'm going to ring somebody to come on and talk about it who, as you I'll said, be might be from academia. Because they're yeah. literally, there's a massive autoimmune issues with what's been going on over the last few years. And I'm not saying that this way of eating is going to cure whatever these jib-jabs have rustled up, but... There's things like Crohn's disease, IBS, anything to do with the um, the digestive system is basically because of the toxicity of the plants. We can't digest fiber yet we're told to eat it all the time. It wreaks havoc with the gut. If you've got any kind of if you have any kind of bowel surgery, they tell you not to eat fiber so you don't upset your gut. But then the rest of the time it, you're good to go. You know, it's, right? uh, it doesn't make any sense, mate. And with what's going on, I'm just trying to get the point across to help people because there's not very much we can do about the bigger picture but it's all kind of fragmented and for me mate the doctors won't know this but there is a bigger picture to it it, it all unfolds into the the transgender agenda believe it or not this is my own opinion by the way but it's it's well thought out and well i'm quite reasonably discerning mate as much as i may have gotten on your tips in the past but if you no. don't eat the right diet if you don't get cholesterol from animal products, etc., it's that you don't actually make the correct amount of hormones because cholesterol is the precursor to every hormone in the body. Hence, that you can't really tell the difference between the sexes of these youngsters that are growing up without eating an animal-based diet. I think that makes them a lot more susceptible and easy to, to convince that they might not be the, the gender that they are because they don't actually go through puberty correctly. Damn. That's just purely my own thoughts, mate. You know? Food for thought not- there, no pun intended whatsoever. Thanks for that, buddy. I'm going to rehash what you just just told me and I'm going to get some comment on this on the programme um, real soon Danny thanks very much for that in Brighton did you hear that? So plants defence mechanisms, vegetable defence mechanisms can make the vegetable toxic and it can play havoc with our immune systems and make us unhealthy and he linked that then to transgenderism did you, did you hear that how that might impact on um, the hormonal development of people? What do you think of that? Um, you've got the numbers the WhatsApp number that's blown me away, I have to say, to be honest. Um, he had me till he brought up the trannies. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just jesting. 0756594270. 0756594270. This reminds me of my days in Spain. This is what I used to do. Let's do this. It's your call. Skype. 
Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, dude, it's just gone 24 minutes past six. This 26th of September 2023, the WhatsApp number again. All of this stuff is on BBG Richie, the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie 075659 But I'm very good, dear listener, because in the past when I've taken phone calls, I've ignored your text messages. I'm not doing that now. Uh, Joe says, both my grandmothers hardly ate fruit or veg. They lived till 95 and 91, says Joe. Yeah, Joe, but that sounds like my granddad smoked woodbines until he was 103. And they never did him any harm. No, but they killed thousands of others, Joe. Simon says, fruit has the highest energy value of any food. Baird says that Danny is right-ish. He's right-ish, he says. He says, um, most vegetables are toxic because of the chemicals they're grown in. But the way to get the most of the nutrients from the veggies is to let the animals eat it and then eat the animals, says Baird. This is why cows have two stomachs, so they can digest it properly, unlike us. I believe cows have more than two stomachs. I believe cows can have seven stomachs, or is it five or six stomachs? I can't remember. I can't remember my basic, my, my basic biology. And uh, Cookie says, we only eat animal fats. I use, I use beef dripping for chips. Yummy. Couple of years now, much tastier than seed oils, says Cookie. Thank you for that. Uh, Cookie, the messages can be sent to richieallen.co.uk or the Richie Allen Show app. I'm really enjoying this. Again, it's chat with Richie on Skype, 0161818 or if you'd like to WhatsApp me, 0756594270. Fantastic. Susie reckons, listening to the guy on eating, on eating meat on the call-in, everything in moderation, a well-balanced diet and as organic as possible, says Susie. Our old folk around a small amount of meat and two veg, or sorry, our old folks who had a small amount of meat and two veg had it right. The incidence of cancer is far greater with meat eaters and especially those who eat a lot of meat. Whether it's because it isn't organic, I'm not sure, says Susie. And Beryl says, I thoroughly endorse the views of the carnivore caller who mentioned Sean Baker, Anthony Chauffeur, Chauffeur, and Dr. Ken Berry. These are a few. We'll have to look up some of these people, Beryl, and invite somebody on. And Colin says, Annie, Annie, what does he say? Yep, any OH-based food stuff will destroy the male hormones and increase the the, the possibility of infertility. So I've read. Chris, who gardens, says, I feel like Danny has just pissed on my chips. However, I keep my mind open to anything these days. If he's right, and I acknowledge that he might be, is that I've been banging a poisonous drum for the last year. I blame you, Richie. It was speaking to you on a phone-in that inspired me to start growing veg. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the jury's out on what Danny said. I'd have to hear a little bit more from, from, from somebody who, you know, who's... um 
not that we say that because somebody's got an academic background, it makes them more plausible. I'm not saying that. But uh, you can question them, you know. Uh, good call, says my pal Jean Anne. Veggies toxic due to the amount of pesticide applied, which in turn destroys the soil. I had a tutorial on this on Sunday, says Jean Anne. Thank you for your messages. There are hundreds of them coming in. In our current times, says Isabel, withholding council tax is not as easy as one might think. Many people in our communities depend on financial help from the government, such as unemployment help, child support help, disability help. These people cannot afford to stop paying their council tax or they'll risk having their government support stopped. We cannot fight every battle and I think there are bigger battles which might require our energy to fight right now, starting with the digitalisation of money for instance, says Isabel. Yeah. And of course, when we go cashless and there are no more, when there is no more cash, it'll be more, much more easy for local authorities to take money directly from your bank account. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe the law will change in the near future, dear listener. As it stands right now, nobody has any authority to remove money from your bank account unless you give them the authority. Now, if you are found guilty of a crime, right, on the criminal statute books, yes, and you are fined in court a criminal fine, a criminal conviction, they can seize money from you. Yes, 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 yes. No doubt about that. But a local authority cannot do that. The government doesn't have the right to take money from you, again, unless it's because of proceeds of crime or whatever. But in the future, wouldn't it make sense when cashless is here, there is no more cash money, and it's uh, central bank digital currencies? Wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense for governments to pass a law permitting local authorities to pinch money from your bank account if you are late with your payment for council tax or something like that? It would make sense, wouldn't it? Are you giving them ideas, Baldy? I don't mean to. It's not my intention. On the meat, Simon says of Danny, he's full of shit. Straight to the point there. Christine says your caller is right about bowel surgery. My daughter-in-law had bowel cancer surgery a year ago on the run-up to the surgery. She wasn't allowed to eat any vegetables. Hi to Cassie, who says, Richie, I am surprised nobody wants to call you to speak about Russell Brand. Let's have somebody on the programme who wants to speak about Russell Brand. Let's have somebody. If you disagree with me, because I don't believe Russell Brand is being booted off. Uh, well, he's not being booted off anywhere. But I don't believe he has been accused of sexual transgressions just because he represents a threat to the status quo. I don't believe that. I think that is bollocks. If you disagree with me, give me a shout. Here's the number. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, the WhatsApp number for the program is 0756594270. I've never seen you so quite. Normally, there's six, seven, eight calls in the jam. People trying to get on. What's, what's going on? Is it because I'm just like Nick Robinson? Nobody's listening anymore. I've lost a million listeners and it's your fault. That's what he said, Nick Robinson, BBC Radio 4. Lost a million listeners in a year. The boring bastard. Look him up. There's no more boring. He's even more, he, he's even more boring. He makes James O'Brien look exciting. And when confronted with the reality, 
that his programme is hemorrhaging listeners. He blamed it on the listeners. He said they're trying to avoid the news. Ironically, they're trying to avoid the news. Maybe there's a reason they're trying to avoid the news. Maybe it's because you're a boring gobshite. Or maybe, just maybe, and please God this is true, please God this is the reason, maybe people are, they've had enough of the BBC and the bullshit from the BBC about the climate crisis and about COVID booster shots and all that shit. Maybe they've had enough people. Maybe, just maybe, maybe I'm talking through my backside. Uh, Gillian says, Richie, cows have four stomachs. Thank you, Gillian. I knew I was wrong. What did I say? Seven or five or six? Four stomachs they have. Well done. Chewing the cud. Catherine is chewing the cud with me. Um, Hi to Terry. I've tried to eat just meat exclusively. I've cut out vegetables. I've cut out vegetable oils and my health has improved. However, lack of greens caused constipation, he said. Peanuts, Terry. Peanuts. When you're constipated, you need peanuts. KP, peanuts, other brands are available. Or just eat raw monkey nuts. Raw monkey nuts will cure constipation in 12 hours. It's as simple as that. I'm talking from experience. I'm sorry if you're eating. I do not mean to be crass. But if you are struggling to have a bowel movement, get some monkey nuts, get some KP salted peanuts. Other brands are available. Eat them with a few beers, of course to quench your thirst, and in the morning you will have a comfortable, and dare I say it, a very enjoyable poo. You cannot go wrong with pulses. Not beans, monkey nuts. Thank you. Uh, Gillian says, cows, one stomach, four compartments. There you are. It's going to kick off on the programme. Hi to Anne, who says, use cash as much as possible. At the moment, using cash is increasing, so the more the better. That's right, a report emerged last week that for the first time in a couple of years cash transactions actually went up they increased however Anne and again I don't mean to be a harbinger of doom the problem we find in big cities like Manchester and very big very big villages like Salford is that as time goes on we encounter more establishments telling us you cannot use cash it's card only and don't start shouting at me legal tender. Legal tender bollocks. It's bollocks. This, this claim that they are legally obliged to take. No, they're not. They are not legally obliged. Look it up if you don't believe me. So there's no point in doing that. It was a funny stunt he did. What's his name? Piers Corbin. When he went into a place, he picked up the... It was a place that refused cash, wasn't it? And he picked up a couple of items and he put the exact change down on the counter and he left. Technically, he was in the wrong. I'm delighted he did it and I applaud it and I understand the sentiment behind it but ultimately, technically he's wrong businesses do uh, have the right to tell you no Now Bill says having polyps removed from your bowels increases your chance of getting colon cancer that's news to me, I know nothing about that but thank you for that that even Faisal says corruption at every level of government is the problem, not anything to do with party politics, every day goes by more people to learn about this. Very good. Richard Kelly says, on the Healy Ray, I can't remember the guy's name, which guy? Healy Ray. Um, one of the Healy Ray brothers um, was, was caught up in that fracas outside of um, Dole Aaron last week, which, which seems to have been some sort of setup, some sort of uh, psyop, as was claimed earlier on by Damien. Uh, this is the Richie Allen Show. It's 25 minutes to the top of the hour. Faisal is standing by. Faisal, good evening. I just mentioned you. How are you? Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit unprepared on, on the Russell 
brand front front I wasn't really expecting it. No, a, you, do, you can talk about you can talk about whatever you like, and I'm not dogmatic, Faisal. I might be wrong, and maybe my personal opinion of Russell Brand, I think he's a little shit, a little weasel, and and, and I could be wrong, but that's how I see him. Maybe that has coloured my interpretation of what's going on, but I genuinely don't believe that Russell Brand was cancelled um, while he was on YouTube earning a million pounds a year um, for saying things when we know that far more prominent people than Brand were cancelled two, three, four years ago for saying the same things. It just doesn't add up. You can talk about that. You can talk about anything. Go ahead. Well, I I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I, I never liked Russell Brand. There was um, a moment... When he was doing the trues, I think that was back in around 2000, um, was it 15, 16, something like that, uh, where I thought, oh, maybe he's come round a bit. Um, but then I, I, he, he was banging on so much about um, uh, sobriety at the time, uh, about not even, you know, sort of being careful about what cosmetics he was using because, oh, he, 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 he wanted to stay sober. But he sounded like he was speeding his tits off. And, and, and me and somebody who's, who's much more of a Russell Brand fan, a friend of mine in Austria, uh, he, even she was saying, ah, something doesn't sound right there. And and then with the Ed Miliband thing, I thought, oh, yeah, here it is. He, he starts off saying, telling everybody don't vote, and then suddenly saying, oh, no, you're going to vote Labour now. We've got... Uh, 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 this ridiculous milliband in charge. Yeah, it's mainstream so, so light. Like I think David Ike, to to be fair to him, coined the phrase mainstream light. At least he was speaking to me on the radio 10, 12 years ago about mainstream light and I asked him to explain it. I used to be pretty hostile when I, when I first interviewed him. I used to jump in and give him a bit of a kicking but of course he took it very well and gave it back and I said, look what's this mainstream light shit? And he said, well not to put too fine a point on it, guys will be kind of Pied Piper figures and they will talk about interesting things up to a point but it's always framed within the context of it's simply the wrong people are in charge, we must put the right people in charge. And Ike said, you've got to get beyond that. That's what he, he always believed. And that ultimately, whether these guys realise it or not, ultimately they're just gatekeepers. And that was his take on, on, on people like Brand at the time. I don't know. A lot of our listeners, they completely disagree with me and they believe that Brand is some sort of messianic figure. I don't know, Faisal. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I think uh, I, I, I kind of disagree with you on the allegation side, but but not uh, what why they're... Uh, uh, doing it. I mean, I, I I do think just like Alex Jones, he he is controlled opposition to to kind of gather certain issues under his banner as much as possible, so so that people who 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 are kind of new to the whole truth of thing, they 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 gravitate to people like either uh, uh, Alex Jones or Russell Brand or somebody like that, and 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 they try and when they're trying to tell their friends and family about him, they say, oh, you're going to watch Russell Brand, you're going to watch Alex Jones and all this. And then, of course, at some point, those people are then brought down and, and smeared. So then that smears the whole message. And and those people who, 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 who were under that banner now feel they've got egg on their face. Um, so it, it's not quite that I think uh, uh, they did it uh, because, uh, um, uh, because they were... Because he'd gotten too close, or, or uh, um, you know, he, because of the message he was preaching, but I, I think it was planned because to bring down, to smear the whole message as such that he was kind of representing. Because it's true. Let he, me ask you he this: accumulated millions of viewers, whereas everybody else 
who was more of an expert on those subjects, have been cancelled from YouTube. Well, look, you know it's not about me. And I know long-term listeners will, will know that it isn't about me when I say this. But we'd gone over 110,000 subscribers back in 2017. It was growing at five, 6,000 a month. And it's not unfair to, to, to make a claim that if it had been left alone, the YouTube channel for this programme might have a couple of million subscribers by now. That's not unfair, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's not unfair. And then, Absolutely. and then, and then, I wouldn't be. We wouldn't be soliciting support from listeners. We wouldn't be doing it because it would be paying for it. So yeah, I would put my hand up there and say, well, you know, brand is no martyr. But I'm going to put this to you, and then you can speak about what you wanted to speak about if you like. And I will give you time to answer this. What what I'm about to read out, I believe to be 100 percent true. Now this is when Brand was recording an episode of his program with his co-host in Los Angeles. And a receptionist went to the loo and he followed her in, told her he was going to have sex with her. She said, no, you're not. He showed her his genitals, tried to get her to, to, to fondle his genitals. And she said, no, ra- texted somebody at the BBC, told people about it. And to make matters worse, this guy went on air and laughed and joked about it with his co-host, Matt Morgan. And this is what I can't understand about Russell Brand fanboys and fangirls, of which you are obviously not. So you and I can have a grown-up discussion about this. What is it about people that it's so important for them, echo chambers, where somebody tells them what they want to hear, that they can dismiss something like that as some sort of New World Order attempt to bring him down? He did that. He laughed about it on air. Faisal, if somebody did that to your missus, as we say, we have a lovely phrase in Ireland, you would have to be dug out of him, Faisal. They would have to excavate you out of him if somebody did that to your missus. That's exactly the point. He's a fucking scumbag. If somebody did that, there would be a reaction at the time from me. Yeah. And if, if... so, so he's saying he did that. That uh, uh, somebody's saying he did that. He himself, uh, in 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 some monologue or some interview, has, 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 has joked about doing that, and yet nothing happened. Very good. Why do you think that brand? Do you think it's about both things? It's about both things simultaneously. They want obviously Ofcom to start shutting down internet. Uh, platforms. They want Ofcom to get rid of platforms like Rumble. And the deep state really doesn't give a shit about Russell Brand. Russell Brand just happens to be the convenient case study they can use to bring down Rumble. What do you reckon? Um, Feel free to disagree. I'm not going to interrupt you. Go on. Kind of, yes. But it, it, it's the nature of the allegations themselves that, 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 that interests me. That I kind of went through a fine tooth comb uh, um, on, on that dispatches programme. And and I've tried to look up everything that, that that's come through since because it all belongs in the same category. It's all stuff that um, it it would have been one thing if it had been prosecuted at the time, um, but wait ten fifteen years, and it, it it kind of sounds like like when you hear the 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 especially two of the victims on the dispatches program talking. Um, it sounds really egregious, but then you, you, you kind of keep going and you think, but hang on, you know, it, it's 10, 15 years later, the, the 16 year old who, 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 who made one quite, quite bad allegation, but it, it's, again, it's a relatively nothing burger 10, 10 or 15 years later, be, because 
if you bring it to court, of course the defence yeah. is going to say, well, why didn't you say anything at the time? It, it, it's and and are you not maybe making this up now? Yeah, but because he texted he texted a woman in Los Angeles at three o'clock in the morning to apologise for forcing himself on her. He penetrated. He didn't, he, say, he, he didn't say, I'm sorry for forcing myself on you. No, he didn't no, but, actually say those words. He apologised and he apologised for being selfish and, and, and it all sounds bad. It and, does. Uh, hang on, Faisal. It does because the woman comes back and says that she's horrified. No means no. You know, when, when did no stop meaning no? And he comes back and apologises again. There's no confusion in the timeline of the text. He doesn't express confusion as to what the hell are you talking about? You know, this woman is the woman who's given her clothing and is being yeah, swabbed so by the police. You've yeah, got this text. Yeah, where uh, um, specific rape isn't mentioned. The most specific thing is the no means no thing. Now, when that's in a relationship, she, she uh, um, at, at the start of the interview, she said they were lovers. In other words, they were having a sexual relationship. That's right. Yeah. And and when they met up, it was in the context of a sexual relationship. You have to have more than that, if 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 you're going to say ten years later, and I think that one was even fifteen years later, I'm I'm, I'm not sure now, um, that uh, uh, that actually that was rape. You know, it, it there's 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 all kinds of abusive relationships where uh, uh, people do things and are apologising for them later on. There's actually a it it's it's a kind of topic uh, 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 between some friends of mine because. Um, uh, uh, a, a, a woman was for a long time saying, oh no, my uh, husband's, he's gone a bit weird, uh, 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 he's into backdoor sex and all this. And then a few years later when she wanted to divorce him, then she went to the police and said he raped me. Right. Now, now when she was talking about it before, she never said that she said no or that she was forced to do it or something. She just kind of felt a bit pressure to and then after a while thought, no, actually, I'm not into this. I'm, I'm not going to have this. And, and, and uh, 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 also embarrassed him about it by telling everybody. Um, but then uh, a, a few years later, when she was divorcing him, went to the police. Her own daughters uh, think she was being unreasonable. Don't. Don't, don't like what she did because it, it, it's obviously kind of contrived. Now, things can happen in a, a, a relationship. Somebody can say, look, I'm, I'm really not into this. And, and, and I actually meant no when I said no that time. And uh, uh, he could, oh, God, yeah, I'm sorry. I, uh, um, he, he was known to be high on drugs most of the time, that he was a drug addict, uh, um, that people who are, you know, a, a defence counsellor is going to say this, you you. You were in a relationship with 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 a known animal on drugs, basically, and and uh, if 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 something had been that different in your sexual relationship that time, it, it's kind of weird that you didn't go. Well, to you're explaining you're ex bruises and stuff. Well, you're explaining in a roundabout way why why so many women ultimately decline to proceed. Because they fear this level of cross-examination, they're, they're warned about it, that their lives are going to be turned upside down, they're going to have to face the guy in court, they're going to be called a liar, their previous sexual Which history is, is going to be brought up. If you wait 10, 15 years. 
but the woman went straight to the police when this happened. And the text message. That's messages the bit are, I haven't found. I did not find that yeah. bit in the documentary. Yeah. I, 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 I'd love a quote on well, that. Well, the follow up the, the, the follow up from the Sunday Times, the follow up article from the Times um, makes the allegation that the woman went, reported it, and the, the samples, including her underwear, were frozen. That's what they're saying. Look, I tell you what, I've got another call coming in, Faisal. Had, but not that she actually made an allegation to the police. I'm pretty sure um, it's. I'm pretty sure it's on the record that she's gone to the police and complained them. But look, right, if, if you could post the link to that, listen. If I'm if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to, to say I'm wrong. Quote, you know, it, 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 uh, uh, because that's the bit I haven't found. Yeah, no, I, I've read this. I've read it in the Times. I've read it in the Telegraph that the samples have been preserved. Yeah, and and this is after reporting it. Samples being preserved. After it was reported. As well, but uh, uh, not the actual uh, official allegations. To the and Faisal, just before I take another call, I would challenge you to go back and read those text messages in sequence again and tell me you don't have a problem with them. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you've said... I, I, I do have a problem with him, but the thing is that, that there are lots of people, even friends I've had, that have had relationships that I have a problem with where, where, where the guy's absolutely misogynistic, he's treating the girl like shit... And she's going along with it. It's frustrating, yeah, because people go along with these things. That you you, you could see on television what 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 kind of asshole the guy was about 15 years ago when where, where when he was doing that um, uh, Big Brother program, and women were throwing themselves at him. Now, as 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 much as I hate that kind of thing, it doesn't cross the line into a crime. That's the final word. I'm going to give you the final word on it. I'm not going to editorialise there. I'm going to take a call from Ryan. Great call, pal. And thanks, thanks for that. No, any time. Great call. I'm not going to come back on that because I said I wouldn't. Interesting take on it from Faisal. What do you reckon? Let me know. It's um, richieallen.co.uk or the Richie Allen Show app. And Ryan wanted to come on. And we've got about five... Uh, six minutes left. We've got about five minutes, so Ryan's got to be quick. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show for Tuesday, uh, the 26th of September, 2023. Come on, Ryan. Welcome to the Hello, program. Richie. How are you? Are you well? Can you hear me? Loud and clear, pal. The floor is yours. Go ahead. I don't know if you remembered. I came on about three years ago. Do you remember? Go on. Tell me what it was about, because I probably will. It was about um, electrosensitivity. I was the electrosensitive guy that came on about three years ago. Right, don't don't kill me. I'm not going to lie and say I do, because I've spoken to so many yeah, people yeah. in the last three years. But Ryan, it's lovely to have you back. We've got five minutes. Keep an eye on the clock. The floor is yours, pal. Go ahead. What yeah, would you like um, to say? I just really, um, I just really, um, following on from what there was, uh, you had Julia Burgess and another woman. We had, we had Kate trying on. to stop 5G masks. Kate Moore, that's right, yeah. Yeah, sort of taking really keen interest in this because obviously it's a a subject that affects me quite a lot you know and how do you feel when i mean even today i looked up electromagnetic hypersensitivity and immediately you get these articles saying that it's a load of old cobblers that it doesn't exist that must be hard to take um ryan when it, you know it's it does really exist. hard to take I, i'd like to i'd like to uh these people that sort of debunk it i'd like to say to them will you try and be sort of electrosensitive for a day or a week and find out, you know, what a living hell it can be like, you know? Right, tell us, what, what sort of things do you experience physically on a daily basis? God, um, headaches and all sorts of stuff, Sleep, sleepless nights. Um, you know, we've, we've had another, since I spoke to you last, you know, we've had another two people, unfortunately, commit suicide, electrosensitive people, you know? 
because because they can't get any relief from it, Ryan. Well, if you if you imagine, you know, you can't get away from what's making you sick. You know, it drives you kind of fucking crazy. You know. And you've presumably over the years, and forgive me now because it was three years ago. So yeah, yeah, so, sure. you, so you've gone to a GP and you've said, "Look, this is happening," and it's the kind of uh, what is it? Is it like no, it isn't? It's in your mind. No, my my GP. I actually went to my GP and she said, "Oh, I've heard of this before. You're the second person that's come to me." So I've been quite lucky in that respect, you know. So the GP was open-minded. Yeah, the GP was really. My GP's been really supportive. Thankfully, I've had a. A good GP, you know. And tell me this: How is it possible in the the toxic soup environment that we yeah, have? Yeah. How how can you possibly get away from it? Is it impossible to get away from it? Well, I'm I'm coming to the point, Richie, where I'm just thinking of I've got a bit of money. I'm, my mum's gone into a care home since I last spoke to you. Unfortunately, she's got dementia. You know. I'm sorry and, to hear um, that. And I've I've got a bit of money behind me, and I'm I'm thi- I'm getting pushed to the point where I may eventually just buy a camper van just to get away from it, you know. Is that and right? just buy a property to rent out for an income or something like that, you know. So you, so that you can drive to areas where there is yeah. less radiation? Well, I did, have a va- I did have a van, but it all went r- terribly wrong. I had a huge repair bill on it, so I had to get rid of the bloody thing, you know. <laughs> and do you, do you, again, sorry to hear that. Do you mind me asking, how, how are you employed? What do you do for a living? I can't work at the moment, Richie. You because know, I haven't of this. been able to work for the last sort of like nearly twenty years. You know, I've tried, but you know, it's just when you when your environment is just kicking the shit out of you all the time, you can't really. You're just trying to survive. You know, you can't think about work or anything like that. You know. Tell you what we're going to do. Um, this yeah. is this is too important, Ryan. So I've got yeah. your details here. We're going to do a phone in on this. We're going to do um um a call in on this next week. Because this oh, is be great. yeah, because I know a lot of people are dealing with this, and it gets yeah, no airplay yeah. anywhere. And I, yeah. I totally believe you. By the way, I'm not just saying that. I completely yeah, and yeah, utterly yeah, believe I'm you. Sure, you do. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're quite a you're quite a knowledgeable, open-minded sort of person. Well, I it? wouldn't say knowledgeable, but open-minded for sure. And I've met too many people, too many like yourself, yeah. well-adjusted, reasonable, lucid people who yeah. I absolutely believe are suffering from this. So um, I'll be in touch with you. We'll set up a phone in. We'll get you back on. We'll open yeah. the phone lines. Do you, want we'll me to, do you want me to just um, send you my email address or, or how would you? Well, uh, you can send it over to Skype if you like. Yeah, hold on. Do I bring up the chat? Do just I? bring hold up on. the chat and send it to me there, um, Ryan. Yeah, because I've got to close the program down now. I've got to get out because the program no, is over. That's okay. I'll just put in a t- quick message here. And I'll message you because I've got your details now anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, Ryan, thanks okay. for coming on and sharing that. I really appreciate it. And I'll be in touch yeah. and we'll sort that out. Okay? I normally listen to you on Podomatic, so it's only because I had my computer on and I saw you were online and I just thought, well, I'll just... Uh, I'll have a go. Because I normally listen to you a week behind because I download all your podcasts on the Friday, you know? Well, thanks for doing it, mate. And I and thanks for spreading the, the word. week, you know, so... Well, Ryan, thanks. I'm just sending my email over to you now. Don't worry so. about it. I'm sure I'll get it. I've got to go, Ryan. Thank you very much. That's Ryan there. Electromagnetic hypersensitivity uh, disorder. Absolutely real. Let's talk about that on a phone in uh, very soon. To everybody who sent in messages, thank you very much. It's typical. The call started piling in at the end there. I really appreciate them. Brilliant stuff. Right. Um, Ardell says the police are at fault then for not pursuing 
brand. You could argue that if it's true, if the allegations are true. Sean says the brand thing seems to be uh, all a distraction. Look at what the government is doing on the quiet, especially on Friday afternoons, like energy bill. Uh, Gillian Keegan's £34 million pounds, uh, to do up her offices, etc., says Sean. I must have missed that, Sean. It's, it's true, you can't read and see everything. I must have missed that. Anne says the 16-year-old's mother delivered her to his premises. Why? I would never, as a mother, do that. But I heard the flip side of that, Anne. I read and heard that the mother was very un... She was very unhappy with her 16-year-old daughter meeting with Russell Brand. Who knows? Uh, hi to Lynette, who says, what about that colleague, lady in the in the US who he tried to rape in his flat one night and who screamed so hard she managed to stop him in his tracks? Her screams were heard by three male colleagues waiting outside the building. Uh, Lynette on Russell Brand there. Thank you for that, uh, Lynette. Okie doke. We're done then. Thank you for the calls. Thanks for your messages. Thanks so much to uh, Kate earlier on. That was, um, of course, Kate Moore and Julia Burgess. Thanks to the ladies coming on to talk about 5G and the Maidstone um, attempt to stop the mask going up outside the school in Maidstone. It was brilliant uh, to hear from them. We'll talk tomorrow at 5 o'clock UK time. Until then, closing out with Sister Sledge then. And breathe. Speak tomorrow. Bye. Have a great evening.